Hello, I'm Jill Marie, founder of the Serenity Vibration Healing and Enlightenment Technique, and the topic for this broadcast is Imprinting Divine Templates to Support Honoring Relationships. Before we begin, let's take a moment to ask the Creator to join us in this venture. And we ask that all masters, angels, and guides that are working with us in our soul's progression to lightness step into the space where we are now. We ask that the Divine Creator blend with us now and assist in every way to release all that is blocking us from attracting and expecting to attract supporting, honoring relationships. Thank you. Throughout our life, many of us have attracted relationships that are unfulfilling and dishonoring because of genetic and current life imprints and templates that limit our expectations and even impede our vision of what a divine ideal association or relationship would even look like. Even if we're attracting the most divine ideal relationship to us now, there's great value in releasing the embedded formatting from the early part of our life and laying a divine ideal imprint in the past to support even greater depths of intimacy and trust in our now and in our future. In this broadcast, we're going to release many imprints that have the potential to support the attraction of dishonoring relationships with friends, romantic partners, and family members, as well as the people we work with or attract as clients and associates. We will even clear away blocks to enhancing your meaningful relationships with the wildlife and domestic animals that you've attracted to bless your life and to bless theirs. Now, I'm going to lead you through a trip down memory lane, and this is going to be part of an enormous clearing. As you visualize your life relationships, the creator is going to be scanning your files to identify areas of imbalance that you're ready to release. So you're just going to relax and let yourself feel the journey. Most important of all is that you're going to just let yourself drift through and feel it, experience it, and no dwell on it. If some of the memories are painful, know that this may be the last time you're going to ever feel the emotional charge of these tumultuous times. As this session progresses, the Creator will be preparing you for a transformational emancipation from the seeds and foundations of embedded genetic and current life formatting that supported the development of limiting relationships and will ultimately offer each of us an opportunity to imprint templates that are aligned with the image of divine ideal relationships. Now, how can we know what we don't know or what we don't remember? Our blessed Creator knows and will offer us clearing sweeps that will continue beyond this session. These sweeps will move through our lives, reformatting layers upon layers upon layers of embedded formatting that is in opposition to the glorious templates that are bestowed upon us by the Creator today. And these templates are going to be held up as images of the divine ideal for us to aspire to in our friendships, partnerships, and intimate relationships so that they can take on a new model. Each clearing sweep will offer us greater opportunities to shine and as we reflect to others that we expect to attract associations that are honoring and mutually supportive, we'll also make an undeniable claim to ourselves that we are open to and accepting of unconditionally honoring and loving relationships. As we move through this exercise, let your mind skip through the timelines as I direct your brain. Let your brain and your mind just fully explore the whole picture for you. You don't need to go through every little detail in your mind, and it would be a little bit difficult anyway, since we're going to be hopping from section to section of your life and experience after experience. 
I'm going to suggest to you many areas to look at. It's no necessary for you to dwell on specific experiences. Just let your awareness touch upon them, and the clearing will do the rest. To begin the Creator's clearing process, to prepare you for imprinting divine templates to support honoring relationships, I'd like you to close your eyes and imagine that screen floating before you. On the screen is a divine clearing process that the Creator will be implementing for you throughout this reformatting session. Silently, I would like you to ask the Creator if it is in divine alignment for the Creator to implement this glorious process for you. You can simply think or say, God, is it okay for you to do this for me? Then tune in to your innate awareness and hear, sense, feel, or just know the answer. Please know that the Creator is implementing every facet of the clearing, the shielding, the reformatting, and the imprinting individually for you. Everyone on this telecast will receive their own individual clearing that is aligned with their exact experiences and all that their brain and their mind is able to access and resource throughout this clearing. You can take as much time as you desire to receive your answer. When you have obtained an affirmative answer to your question, verbally say the word yes, and that will trigger the clearing and you'll be ready to begin. So just simply take a moment to say in your mind, God, is it okay for you to do this for me? Okay, we're ready to start. Let's move into the exercise. It's going to change your life forever. I want to ask you a series of questions, as I mentioned before, and these questions are literally designed to trigger the brain and the mind in their sorting and also the ego program file. Now you know that the brain as it sorts is reaching into tremendous levels of data that are just just expanding to every potential that you can create and could create and did create and what you could have maybe done to, to change the outcome. And your ego is watching. Your ego is listening. And that's the most beautiful, fun lemonade we're going to make from lemons because the creator is watching what the ego is doing. Now the ego can't really create any kind of negative labyrinth of of suppression or limitation without some kind of genetic and current life formatting to support it. So the creator is going to be watching the files that the ego program file accesses as well in its sorting. It's going to also be listening to your current conscious thoughts and of course, feeling the the energy and the the emotions and just how you are responding to different aspects of the questions and the memories that flip back. So I'll begin with the first question. Do you believe that it's safe to love? That's kind of a big question, isn't it? I wonder also, do you feel that it is safe to be loved? It's kind of a funny area of your life. Love. It's like everything, and yet it can create such incredible depths of of just expansion that allow you to soar. And other times it can create actual physical pain. Do you believe that you are lovable? That's kind of an interesting question, too. Are you afraid of being hurt? Now, have you ever have you ever been hurt in love? 
look back through your life. Was there ever a time when someone said something that just broke your heart? Let your mind just move back. And as you know, as you're thinking this thought, your brain and your mind and also your ego are digging into all those times, giving the creator these huge, huge, huge resources to work with. So don't hold back. And speaking of holding back, do you hold back and only let love in a little bit at a time? Or do you just let it fly? Do you let yourself just expand to the greatest depths of love and just let yourself feel the, you know, every feeling and, and just know that however long it lasts and whatever greatest depths that it reaches, that that's the gift? Or does it feel safer to keep relationships at a distance? It's just like putting your wallet on a table and knowing that it's safe even if you leave it there for a week. Putting your heart out there is less of a leap of faith if you know that the only relationships that you'll ever attract to you are honoring. The key to that freedom, that absolute certainty, is in mastering the mind and in consciously choosing that the image of a divine ideal relationship is your only reality. If you will only allow honoring relationships in your reality, Dishonoring friendships and partnerships will just fall away and you'll begin to feel the Teflon shield block new dishonoring associations from sticking. Now, I don't want you to foster the thought that only allowing divine ideal relationships in your reality constitutes a personal mission for you to impose your current relationships to conform to your new ideal. Putting the oxygen mask over yourself first, aligning with your ideal is the mission. As you transform your life and the creator reformats that which attracted dishonoring associations, those around you will likely be freed from their role that supported the dishonor. They will either adopt a higher ideal along with you, or they will no longer fit. Their relationship just won't fit anymore, and most will step aside for a while. But ultimately, everyone will awaken to the awareness of their mastery, and your reunion with them will be even more glorious because you've honored the divine timing for their awakening. Instead of trying to fix others, let's look at our lives and see how we developed our own shields and barriers to intimacy. We'll hand over the reins to our blessed creator so that we can release the mortar that built the walls of fear and indifference around our hearts and perhaps the hearts of our ancestors. The creator will move mountains of these genetic imprints that support old paradigms that accept and expect relationships to be tolerable rather than remarkable and the seeds of freedom will be fostered within us that attract master relationships now the next telecast in this series will be on healing broken relationships so allow yourself just to continue to focus on yourself knowing that in the next couple of weeks you're going to be offered an opportunity to have another telecast that the creator is going to bring through assisting you to heal the relationships that you that you have developed with the people around you. That way, they aren't looked at by you as discardable. Perhaps these are relationships that have been waiting for this moment to heal so that the two of you or the 20 of you or the million of you can move out and just embrace life in a whole new paradigm. Now let's look back at the first relationships we formed in this life. They were in our childhood, weren't they? In fact, we learned our selection process for developing relationships from our family of origin. So let's ponder that for a moment. 
What kind of relationship did your parents have with each other? And how did they interact with their brothers and sisters if they had any or they were in their life? Did those aunts and uncles interact with you? Was this a favorable experience for you? Now, it's interesting when we watch our parents because children are always watching their parents. They're watching them because they're our mentors. They're the ones teaching us how to be, how to act in specific circumstances, and how to, how to interact with others. And so if we look back at our parents and we see how they acted in their lives and how they interacted with friendships and how did your parents interact with their parents, assuming that they were alive and in the family matrix that you developed within, that can really, really show you kind of a, a, a very intimate way that you were shown to interact with yours, your parents. What kind of friends did your parents have? And how did they interact with each other? Were those friendships honoring? What was the selection process that your parents used to define their friendships? And how close did they get with their neighbors? It's an interesting thing about neighbors. Did you know that a lot of people don't know their neighbors? They have no idea even their names, where they work. They could care less, actually. In fact... They've developed this relationship with their neighbors consciously. There's even a saying that if, if you let your neighbors in, they'll know everything about you and it causes problems. So uh, if it's, it's an, an interesting paradigm that, that is just kind of interwoven into our social structure that some people will be best friends with their neighbors. Matter of fact, their neighbors will have keys to their houses and each of them watch over each other and they watch over their kids and they feed the people's fish and water their plants while they're gone. And others will just abide them in a way that is social with a wave of the hand, but never moving closer than that. Now, I'm not intimating that to have the most fabulous, incredible life, one must get right in there and be having Sunday suppers with their neighbor. But I am just triggering a little bit of sorting for the brain and the mind to look at your life and to look at your social life as a child and maybe see what the relationship was within the family matrix and the matrix of the social structure of your neighborhood and your city, your town. Now, I was raised in a little bitty town called Glens Ferry, Idaho. And that little town, gee, we didn't even have 2,000 people. So everybody knew everybody. And the kind of relationship that I talked about earlier, where everyone was watching after, after each other and their children, was exactly what I experienced. But you know what? In a big city, and that's what we called it when I was a kid, a big city, like New York, Chicago, one can have those same exact relationships. But it seems that the the sheer number of individuals involved tend to impede the ability to know everyone and also there's elements of mistrust that can move into a spectrum when individuals are not fully known. Now, when I grew up, there were no locks on the doors. We literally had locks put on our doors after President Kennedy was shot. My parents actually went and bought locks. Now, what did that show me? What did that teach me? 
what imprinted within me when that occurred. I was in the third grade, and I remember hearing that President Kennedy was shot, and all of a sudden, we had locks on our doors. We didn't even have locks on our doors when during the Bay of Pigs, everyone was encouraged to put all these different doors and 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 storm doors and build these hideouts that person you know that uh, like fallout shelters in their basements and fill water jugs and put food down there and blankets and prepare for a disaster even then locks didn't go on doors because i believe that my parents were showing me that if someone was in trouble they wanted them to be able to get in to be able to find shelter I think that's a very important lesson. I think it also drives home to to each of us that experiences can make intimate changes for each of us. Now, if you were an orphan or raised by only one parent or experienced a childhood where joint custody moved you from one household to the next, I want you to let yourself follow along and reflect upon the diversity of your relationship mentors. And once again, they are our mentors. I just shared with you, I learned that we needed locks on doors in the third grade. For that, I don't know if anyone in the town had a lock. If they did, it it worked with a skeleton key, and all skeleton keys just work. Let's move back now to to our triggering. Triggering an inner search for these areas of our life that set into foundation or showed us how to build relationships. What was it like to be a child in your household? Hmm. Did you feel loved? From the beginning, did you feel loved? Did your family listen to you? You know, as a child, everyone thinks we're cute. Or pretty much everyone thinks we're cute. And they'd listen to every little thing, every goo-goo-ga-ga, if we were very fortunate. But some individuals were raised in a family unit or in a social structure where people were just too busy. Maybe some some of you were the 10th child uh, in a family of 12 children and everyone was very, very busy. And it took a lot to get someone to listen to you. Was that the case? What were the needs that you had that were always met? What were the needs that you had that perhaps went aside and were not honored. And you know, there's all these different roles that people play in their relationships. What role did you play? And did you feel empowered? That's another thing. Feeling empowered is is so transformational and so important in 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 your development of your of, of your psyche and of your 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 belief in yourself. If you had brothers and sisters, how did they treat you? And basically, I mean, I think just as important, how did you treat them? How did your parents treat each other in front of you? Did your parents tell you that they loved you? Were they tender with each other? And were they tender with you? You know, I don't believe that I ever heard my father say, I love you to my mother. I know that he did love her deeply. But did your mother and your father ever exchange intimate speech that was just loving and tender? Were you ever told that you were good? 
oh, it feels so great to be told you're good, that you did a good job, that oh, that you were so great. It's not as much fun if you were told that you were bad. So let's just let your mind float back to every time that you were told that you were bad if that occurred. And let's also look back to every single time that something positive was spoken to you and then followed up by a negative. Like, oh, good girl, good boy, you cleaned your room. Not like before when you left it a mess. I want to look back on all those times as well and know that you can just let your mind float to them. Maybe there'll be a time, maybe there won't, that your mind will go to. But I can promise you that your brain and your mind have resourced every single one of them. Now the big question, were you ever physically punished? The reason why I ask that is because if you were slapped in the face, if you were spanked, if you were beaten, if things were used to hit you, if you were shamed and left in a corner, and as you turned around you felt separate from everyone and you felt bad, you felt that you were the enemy, that you were rejected, then I want you to let your mind go to those times. I want you actually to go to every time that you ever were punished. Let your mind just scatter like a, like a shotgun sends shot in all different directions. Your brain, I promise you, will go there. Once again, it's no necessary to dwell on these issues. The brain and the mind are already touching upon every incident, even if you do not remember the experiences. Now, as you grew, did you make friends easily? What kind of friends did you attract? Now, as you moved through your childhood, were you outgoing or more introverted? How did you pick your friends? See, these are important questions because sometimes we'll pick our friends because they almost pick us. They, they, they like something in us and they see something within us that, that they um, aspire to, to be able to be in a, a fun relationship with us because maybe we're quiet and they, uh, they're quiet as well. Maybe we're shy and they're shy as well. Maybe we're just an absolute barrel of laughs and all they want to do is be around us because we make them laugh. It's just whatever is the attraction that brought you into your friendships. But you had to actually select them to be your friend too. So even if they picked you, what was your criteria? Is it because they were smart? Was it because they were extroverted? You know, it's really funny. Sometimes people that are very quiet attract relationships with people that are uproarious. Just because it kind of helps to bring them out into um, a more balanced and happy middle ground or something like that. So I, th I think that it's important for you to just, just for a second, give your mind uh, just a little bit of run at the selection process. And know that in my just saying that just now and you hearing it, your brain has gone to work defining what that relationship was. Do you know you could spend hours and hours and hours going through the whole philosophy of friendship and how it happens and 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 why why you selected each friendship. Just us talking about it right now put a master master at work. 
It's your brain. It's like a computer. And you are the master directing it. Now, when you started school, did you feel shy around other children? Or did you make friends easily? I mean, school is kind of a new thing for kids. Some of us just absolutely loved and reveled in the thought of going to school. Some kids cried and drugged their feet, and parents had to threaten them to get them in the door. Is that something that happened to you? Did you like your teachers? That's another thing, your teachers. Also, now you've got a whole other arena of mentors, teachers. And we've got years of them. In America, where I grew up, it's mandatory that every child go to school. And so, literally, each child will receive a minimum of 12 years of schooling. At some point, individuals make a choice whether they'll move on to college and higher education. But the truth is that all of these people in the school, the principal, the counselors, the nurse, the teachers, and even the students become our mentors on how to develop relationships. So in that arena, in the school, how did you feel? Like it was a big, oh, a great big fishbowl. What kind of fish were you? And were you honored in that space? Were you treated like a child prodigy? Did they see your inner genius? And did you try to make yourself visible or invisible? Did you openly participate in activities and classroom discussions? What was it like the first time you got up in front of the class and read out loud? Did the children listen or did they laugh? How did the teacher treat you after you read? Was there a time when you felt as if your whole world had changed? Now we're talking about from birth now through your childhood and into adolescence and now into adulthood. We're looking at the whole spectrum now. But was there a time in your life when you felt as if your whole world had changed? Everything shifted. And how did that affect you? Did you revel in the change? Did it alter your perception of yourself and others? Could have been a first love. Could have been the death of someone that you cared about. What was it like when you experienced the death of someone that you cared about? Some people go their whole life, and they could be 50, 60 years old and have someone they actually knew pass away. Some people experience it early in life. These incidences can be so very important. As a matter of fact, did you ever wish that you were dead? Was there a time when all you wanted to do was become invisible? Was there ever a time when you were publicly shamed, where there were a lot of people around and you were you were just, the attention went to you and everybody looked at you and you just wanted to crawl in a hole. You just wanted to die. You just wanted to get away. You wanted to run. Have you ever run away? Did a friend ever turn on you? Were you ever misjudged? Did you have pets when you were a child? How did you treat your pets? Or if you didn't have pets, did you see other people that had pets? treat their animals with love and with honor and respect or did they treat them like they meant nothing and abuse them what was your imprint 
on animal relationships. And look back on your life. Every time that you've ever been in, just in, in town walking around and you saw a beautiful bird or you saw a cat or a raccoon or, or a porcupine or a kangaroo or a koala bear, just whatever kind of animals abound where you live, a squirrel or a little chipmunk or a deer. And think back on the way that you felt about that animal. Wild animals, they can invoke such an incredible, expansive feeling within your heart. I can remember what it was like to see a deer. It was like my heart just opened and I just I just reached out and, and, and my, my heart just reached out and instantly and wanted to embrace the deer. I remember when I first saw a moose and I can remember thinking, what a big, powerful creature. I was in the third grade and I can remember thinking, oh my goodness, and I wanted to go over and touch it and I can remember the body language of my parents and they were very, very rigid about anyone going anywhere near this animal. And of course, the reasoning they had was very valid because it's a very big animal and it's a wild animal. Obviously, it could stomp on me (laughs) or it could, you know, harm me inadvertently. And so I learned that big things, big animals, and certain animals could be dangerous. But I also learned that some dogs could be dangerous. And how I learned that was being from being bit. I also learned that some dogs are dangerous because my parents showed me by grabbing me and pulling me aside when they barked. They were protecting me in their mind. They also were imprinting that animals, some animals could be dangerous and it could harm me. And for a very long time, if a dog barked loudly, I became very afraid in an old paradigm. And so I learned that big dogs were probably no as safe as little dogs. Although I can remember when I was like maybe six years old, a little dog, which they call ankle nippers in, 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 when I, in my little town that I grew up in, literally bit my ankle. So then I thought, hmm, I think I like cats. Years later, I, I developed such a love for, for dogs. But, you know, I always kind of generated towards the smaller dogs. So I th- believe that I learned that. And I made determinations in my mind that probably the little ones were safer, mainly because their mouths, mouths were littler and they, could, when they couldn't get their whole mouth around your ankle, maybe. I don't know. But the key is I learned that. And I developed a relationship with animals that were so filled with wonder in my life and also respect for their size and for their potential for interaction. And I also developed a healthy understanding about the importance of letting them be who they are in the, in the wild. What about your puberty? Let's move to that. What did it feel like in your environment as a, in a, as a, a growing man or woman or boy or girl? What did it feel like? How did you feel about your sexuality or your sensuality? Did you feel safe in your environment? And was the sovereignty of your physical body honored by others? Were you respected? Did you respect others? And did you respect yourself? Who did you dream about? Who did you wish that you could be with the rest of your life? Did you ever fall in love? And Did that person or persons love you? What did that love look like? In fact, what does a loving relationship look like? 
We were raised by people who initially at some point hopefully loved each other when they were married or came together to create you. What did their relationship look like and how did they teach you to be in a relationship? And as you grew to adulthood, let your mind dart forward to every relationship that you've ever experienced with animals, people, God, and yourself. You know, a glorious relationship with yourself is equally important as relationships with others. Now we've reached the end of the triggering of all these programs and beliefs. And believe me, the creator is going to be going deep into the genetic and current life formatting on what you have amassed for the creator now. So we're going to go ahead once again and close your eyes and imagine that screen before you. Now on that screen is a vast array of imprints that the creator has discovered in this exercise that once released will support the new ideal that you're choosing. The creator's also implemented a defined clearing that will move to each limiting experience to rescript separation profiles that have the potential to block your acceptance of honoring relationships. The creator's loaded into this clearing a package of templates. Oh my goodness, these templates are magnificent. They're aligned with the highest principles of divine truth and fully bear the imprints of all potential divine ideal relationships that have that just have the ability to form within this sacred realm if you choose them. These templates will be reflected into your bodies and fields, parts and particles. They're going to be in your blood. They're going to be everywhere. And they're going to be calibrated also as tools to move in perpetual sweeps through your life, constantly sweeping and sweeps to detect genes and genetic predispositions that are in opposition to divine ideal relationships and current life formatting that would oppose the acceptance and expect that every relationship in your life will be coded to attract a glorious expression of neutrality, honor, and unconditional acceptance, mutually supportive, and above all else, relationships that are in divine alignment with your path, your purpose, and your ultimate destiny within the plan of the Creator. What could be better? Now, everything that has been loaded right now on the clearing tool is also going to be rescripted to match an alliance with these divine templates. To activate this magnificent clearing phase, ask the Creator once again if it's in divine alignment to have the Creator implement this personalized clearing using quantum level reprogramming and all tools known and unknown to us at this time that will assist you, especially you. This is your clearing. It's encoded into a time capsule and written by the Creator and loaded with your own personal profiles that were uncovered during that exercise that we just completed. Go ahead and say in your mind, through the eyes of the Creator, I choose to know now, is it okay for you to do this for me, God? When you have your affirmative answer, think or say the word, yes. Now take a deep breath. And allow the old cobwebs and brambles to fall from you like rain. This clearing is going to continue to sweep through your life to detect these barriers of, of imbalance that would block you from honoring relationships. So know that they're just going to keep sweeping. This is, this is a clearing that's going to keep giving. Use your trigger processes to cancel creation energy if you have thoughts that are no sponsoring the image of the divine ideal relationship that you know is yours to claim. As we discussed in previous telecasts, 
Put your eye to an imaginary telescope locked onto an image that reflects your divine ideal and keep your focus on the image of those honoring relationships and begin to ponder what these honoring friendships, work relationships, and love matches might look like and see yourself respecting every living thing. Any events or experiences that do no reflect the divine ideal that you're aspiring to create in every aspect of your life can be viewed as a small hurdle that you can easily circumvent as you swiftly move to the target image that is your only reality. Remember that the image that you're creating is the only reality that you will accept. Keep your thoughts focused on unconditional love and acceptance of everyone's divine timing to reach the same desire that you arrived at when you chose to only embrace divine ideal relationships. If you find that there are areas of your life that would benefit from further investigation and deep reformatting, please delve into those areas as soon as possible and and just to help you take the next steps in your evolution to higher consciousness and your expansion of love. If you'd like to have a benefit of another viewpoint to access deeply embedded formatting, please call me to set up a time and you and I can delve in to discover the barriers that are awaiting reformatting. Or log on to our website and browse through the list of certified practitioners to select a blessed master to assist you. There are many. In the telecast entitled Defining Your Reality for the New Year, we embrace a new interactive clearing tool called Sleep Clearing. If you'd like a written outline of that process, please email me or call to make this request. I want you to have it. The sleep clearing tool will assist you to foster this new reality that you've seeded today and will surely assist you to identify and heal the wounds of the past and make room for the new flavors of romance, friendship, and associations that you're ready to embrace. You can access that telecast to acquire the sleep clearing tool and directions for its use on this system. When this telecast is complete, you can return to the system and move to number 10, which is defining your reality for the new year. You can also download the telecast from our website or from iTunes or or purchase a CD of that broadcast. If you need help setting up iTunes or would like to order a CD, you can call us at 208-938-2722. Now, February 3rd, we'll be taking the next steps in your journey to mastering unconditional love. The topic for that telecast is Healing Broken Relationships. In this broadcast, you'll receive insights and advanced clearing mechanisms that are going to be divinely inspired to assist you to heal broken relationships and lay the foundations for a new paradigm of acceptance and neutrality. We're going to do this by releasing the energy of past transgressions. This will allow you to redefine your relationships and move forward at whatever level of familiarity you choose based on your conscious choices to further associations or release them. When you release impressions about the past identities of blessed beings that you are in relationship with, it allows you to see who they are in the now and to establish newfound pathways that will structure a new relationship with them that is valid in the now and allow these blessed beings that grace our lives to be free to fly. They'll no longer feel the need to uphold the old paradigms that have held them literally hostage to past impressions and pigeonholes. It's important for us to look at our relationships. We're choosing to embrace divine ideal relationships. That does no mean that we throw away everything that we've built in this life. But surely, if there is healing, what a wonderful opportunity to be able to remove the blocks to allowing those individuals in our lives to be able to seek the freedom to claim loving relationships as well. 
until our next teleconference. Focus on the image of the reality that you're creating at the end of the telescope. And remember, you're not the person you were an hour ago, so let yourself feel the new you and embrace the new reality that's imprinted by the Creator into every facet of your being. You are love. Let everybody know it. You are love. And as you are reflecting that love out to the world, see yourself as a magnificent lighthouse that is just illuminating every single being everywhere, especially the ones that you've brought into relationship with you. And practice divine neutrality because those blessed beings and you joined in relationship, either as friends, as lovers, as parents, as siblings, they joined with you in those relationships. Always know that things are evolving. Everything is evolving. And there is an opportunity for even the worst relationships to make a transformational shift to hold the divine ideal. When we begin the new telecast on healing broken relationships, we're going to be delving into those relationships and what attracted you to them to begin with and what attracted them to you. And we're going to reach deep into the past and we're going to be looking at the way things were and then we're going to look at the way things are now. Now the one thing that I learned just recently that just really enriched my life was that when we look at and define individuals by old paradigms, we hold them back as well as ourselves. We hold ourselves in a space of non-conformity. We do not allow ourselves to conform to what they have become now. And we literally lock them into that old paradigm. So if an individual in your life, every time that you ever ran into them was very negative, and all of a sudden, they just started to shift. They, they started to shift out of being negative. And as the months and the years have gone by, this individual became less and less negative, but the triggers within you are have been the same. You've been watching, kind of on alert, waiting for when they're going to be negative, expecting it actually. And the reason why we expected it is because as we become lighter, as we become more filled with love, many times, and I'm just describing this, it feels uncomfortable to be in the presence of an individual who is very negative. And so if we're on alert, expecting them to snap or to be negative or to yell or to cheat on you or to steal from you or uh, all these things that they are no longer maybe even an active play in their lives as they're living now, it's a disservice to look at them in that way. Now, I knew somebody once that, that was in a relationship with someone who just never could keep a job. They kept you know, quitting their job or getting fired. And then something shifted within that individual. And two, three years went by and they're at the same place. And everyone in the family kept looking at this person as if they were, quote unquote, a loser. Can't keep a job. Now the funniest part of it is, this person has had the same job for three years and is a happy camper. Loves the job, wouldn't leave for anything, and the people love that person. They see this individual as a valued person in their organization. And now they are looking, these people that are in the family, are looking at this individual in a new way. They've released all of 
the preconceived ideas about who this person is now. And in releasing the perceptions of who this person was, it allows the individual to be able to even more fully embrace the new paradigm. And it it even removes a lot of the shame and, and the feelings of blame and the love, the hearts open wider and allow individuals to feel more accepted and more loved. Same thing can happen to children. These imprints and belief systems about them and their identity can literally carry forth throughout their entire life. If they were sick a lot as a child, then the parents acted a specific way and literally expected them to be sick. And they could literally move beyond that weakness, that illness, and become this very strong individual that's healthy. And the parent could constantly be looking at them and imprinting that they are ill. I know that also an individual can have a miracle healing. They can be crippled and they can they can literally rise up above that crippling disease or or the physical crippling or the physical impairment. And then they can be brought back to that impairment by those around them. And then they can be brought back to that impairment or held in the old paradigm by those around them because this is all they know. This is all they know is that their mother or their father or their sister or their brother has rheumatoid arthritis and that is, that's the way of it. How can it be possible that all of a sudden this person is able to do these all these different things? And so the individual can literally be drugged back if they allow themselves to be brought back into the old paradigms. So the key is for us to be able to be in the moment. Now back to healing broken relationships. A broken relationship can 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 actually be anchored in belief systems about someone. If you had a son or a daughter or or a brother or a sister that was always getting in trouble, they were arrested a lot, and then, you know, they they years go by, they get married, they go into the military, they they, they go to school, whatever happens in their life, and they really turn themselves around, and they, they never get in trouble. You know, there are people that actually keep looking at the old paradigm and define the person by what they were when they were a child. There are individuals who have molested their siblings, and of course, this is something that they are no practicing in their adult life. This is something that happened in their puberty and they have moved beyond it, and they carry the shame of it, perhaps, if it has now been cleared and released. But in their mind, they are living their life as a molester. And that imprint can be carried forward and define a 12-year-old reality, something that happened when someone was 12 years old. And that paradigm can literally define someone that's 50 and 60 years old as a molester, when something happened at 10, 11, and 12 years old. And that imprint is carried forth through their life and is defining their reality. So the key for us here is to heal those broken relationships, heal the relationships, the parts of us that expect husbands, wives, siblings, friends to act a certain way. When we release these imprints of expectation, that limit our perception of the greatness that can come from these individuals, we also will free them. So that is our topic, and I 
I've expounded on it now so that you can be thinking in that manner leading up to the next telecast because the people around you love you. They love you for whatever reason they love you. But they are in your life right now. And whether they stay or whether they move on, we wish to heal that which is anchoring brokenness so that no further relationships can be attracted that have the same imprinting or that will allow us to be able to see beyond the brokenness and accept neutrality and divine love that will support a deeper, meaningful relationship with those individuals that stay in our lives. Until then, have a blessed life and love because that's what you are.